Yeah, what a morning. Uh, so it's, it's like perfect the way God works or messes with me, or I don't know what he was doing this morning, but uh, um, when you hear my sermon, you're going to go, oh, like <laughs> he was talking to you about that, not me. And uh, that's typically what happens every Sunday. Like I joke, I'm not joking, I'm dead serious, that I preach to myself. I, the things that I uh, go through in my personal life and are the same things you go through in your personal life, anxiety or whatever, or their highs, lows, and all those things. And so what we wanted to do was have a, a series that we start off in the fall called What's New? And what we're talking about is this idea that in all of our relationships, they can get stagnant. You know, and, 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 our, and our lives can get stagnant. We can get in a rut. We can get to where we're just kind of cruising along. And our relationship with God was never designed to just cruise along. It was never designed to just make a decision, raise your hand, great, I'm, I know Jesus, and, and then you're done. It was designed to be a journey. It was designed to be a relationship. Actually, you were designed to be not just a Christian, but a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is um, uh, different things we can do to bring a newness to our relationship with God. And you'll see every week, hopefully you got in your bulletin this morning, uh, a what's new challenge, okay? So if you didn't hear my sermon last week, I'd encourage you to download it or listen to it or however you do it on your podcast or whatever, uh, or you can do that on the website. But I talked about these three stages of discipleship, that the first is to come and see, and some of you might be here just for that reason. You're just coming to see. You don't know if you believe in God. You don't know if you believe in the Bible. You don't know what you believe. Well, Jesus is fine with that. We're fine with that. But I'm going to push you a little bit to get out of come and see to come and follow. That maybe you begin modeling your life after what Jesus would do. And for those of you who are following and you're going along, uh, the Lord's going to probably push you to come and die. And again, that, that's strong language, but it was strong language when Jesus did it before. And this morning, what's new, the thing that I want to make new for you is maybe a new perspective. Now, like we mentioned, our projector broke, and this whole sermon is around this video I'm supposed to be showing you. Now, wasn't it funny that we couldn't get the words for the poor worship leader up, but I got my slides up? That's pretty cool. Um, so, uh, so I'm going to try to show it on this TV, and it may or may not work. It might flame out horribly, in which case I'll stop it and just describe it to you. But uh, let's see if we can at least um, hear it. All right, so here's what happens. This is a TED Talk. It's about four minutes long. It's from this guy uh, who is trying to show you what happens um, with your eyes and how different shapes can look identical. But then when you get the entire picture, they're from two radically different sources. And so uh, I'll, get, I'll put the link up with the notes on the sermon. You can, you can take a look at it. But the whole idea is that uh, the way our brains work, and I love brain talk, uh, is that um, it's able to, the way God has created us, it is able to figure out depth, 
to figure out colors, and, and it's able to, to figure out what the colors are between the depths, and it's able to figure out angles, and it's able to figure out all these different things, and it's fascinating. But it all depends on what you do with the information that you have been given, this light and the colors and shapes and all these things, what, what you do with that. And what I want to talk about this morning is a new way to perceive your life. A new way to perceive maybe your circumstances. A new way to perceive um, um, what direction you're going in. Here's, a, here's one of the ones I like. One of these uh, slides is which, which orange dot is, is bigger, right? And so they, they, it always looks like the one on the right is. But you know, as, yeah, as most of you probably know, since it's supposed to trick you, they're the same size. They're the same size dot. I put a little line on there just to prove that I wasn't lying. Uh, And so it's just all the way you perceive it. What I want to convince you this morning is to start perceiving your life differently. That it is not about you. (laughs) Your life is not about you. It's not about making you happy. It's not about what your next dream and hope is and all those things are important and God loves all those things. You were designed to glorify God. You were designed to have a relationship with Jesus. That in fact, as we head into these different circumstances that we might have, like let's say you wake up early and your uh, associate pastor got married and he's not here on campus to help you get stuff set up. That could happen. And let's say that the projector breaks, like if you're a pastor or whatever, that could, that could totally happen. And let's say the night before, uh, a church that rents from us, the Brazilian church, had a really nice banner up there. And you attempted to take it down very carefully, and you broke their banner. Let's just say that. Like something, you know, something like that. And let's say that uh, the coffee cart was buried in the back of the chair room and you had to get that out. And let's say that right when the worship band begins to start, their in-ear monitors drop out and they can't hear each other. I mean, just imagine. You know what the Lord's saying to me the whole time? Because I'm, you, those of you who know me, Brian and some other, I don't handle that stuff well. I like it to go perfect every Sunday. I like it to be, you know what he's telling me? It's not about you, dude. It is not about you. It's not about your church, how your Sunday goes, how much you want the projector to work, how much you have to pay for a new banner. Uh, It's not about having to, that you have to call the Brazilian pastor and say, I'm really sorry, okay? It's not about any of that. It's about, check this out. What type of Jesus are you going to be during this situation? If Jesus were sitting here, this is, I'm convinced, Jesus came in like 30 AD because he's like, I ain't coming when there's projectors. I'm just not. I'm not teaching that way. It's a big hassle, you know? So he's just like, I'll just show, like, look at the birds of the air and look at the, you know, I'll just show kind of stuff that I can count on, all right, okay? But when these things happen, How are you going to model Christ in difficulty? How are you going to model Christ in success? How are you going to model Christ in your relationships? It is not, it never has been, and never will be about me. It's going to be about my ability to have adventuresome obedience, radical obedience 
So what I want to do is I want to look at a section of scripture where Paul takes this whole thing and unpacks it. And we're going to go through it relatively slowly. Where he's trying to, trying to explain to this church in Corinth. He'd already written them a letter before. And that letter was kind of harsh. And so he starts out this letter going, hey, I, you know, you know, about that first letter, you know, I don't, I must have had some pizza or something. I was upset or no. He, he kind of just says, look, I, I had to say what I had to say, but this time I don't want to, I don't want to upset you. And I, I want to come by and see you guys and all this stuff. And so he just continues writing and he continues getting, but he, but he has to get into this, this like in the, in chapter four, uh, he's got to get to the point of what he's saying. And here's, here's what he says. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as what? Lord. Can you guys see the TV in the back? We should do this from now on. That'd be kind of cool. Um, Jesus Christ as Lord. Now, we don't use that term very much anymore. As ruler, as boss, as jefe, Right? Like, like he's it. He's the one we take our orders from. He's the one we listen to. Paul's saying, I'm not preaching. We're not preaching ourselves. We're not saying, you know, we're great. Look at us. We're doing. We preach Jesus as Lord. In other words, as decisions are made, Jesus, what would you have me do? Jesus, how would you have me spend my money? How would you have me spend my time? And he goes on and he says, for God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. <laughs> Check this out. Displayed in the face of Christ. He wants the light, God's light, to shine through us so much that we actually become Jesus. He's our rabbi. He's our teacher. We say, no, what would, what would, what would our rabbi do in this situation? How would, how would he react to this? How would he react to that? What would Jesus look like getting a pink slip? What would Jesus look like when a relationship breaks down? How would he, how would he handle that? And then he goes into this thing. He, he references the problem that we have. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have to rely on God to do these things. We have to rely on God to become like Christ. We have to be able to say, and this is so difficult, and it was difficult for me this morning. Nothing was working to just go, God, I try, I try, I trust you. And meanwhile, God says, really? I'm like, well, most partly, a, a little bit. I, I'm trying. How's that? I'm trying to, and just as I begin to just give over these things to my heavenly father, it's not me. As I begin to calm down, I just start going, you know what? At least the building's not on fire yet. I mean, that's good. Yeah, I begin to go, Lord, what is, and I begin to ask myself questions. What is worship anyway? Is it words on the screen? Is it Technology, like what is it? But a heart that's open to you. 
So he says that, that as this begins to manifest itself, as the newness of Christ begins to manifest itself in you, it's obvious because you're a jar of clay as I am, that it's not us. It's Christ working in us. And then he goes through these, these, these different um, things. Well, watch. I mean, this, is, this was so fitting. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Are you going through something difficult right now? You could say it this way. Man, our finances are just really, they're just not where we want them to be. But we're not homeless. <laughs> My health is bad. But I'm still around. My kids may be wandering off or doing this or that, but I still have a relationship with them. And so that's what he does. He starts to go into this thing of like, of, of like how to be Jesus in these situations. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Per, uh, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. He begins to take these, I mean, horrible, really, situations. Being perplexed and persecuted. Pressed on every side. And he goes, but I have not lost hope. I haven't lost hope. Christ is still with me. I'm not abandoned. He says this, struck down, but not destroyed. This is what it looks like in a person's life when they say, it is not about me, my comfort, things all working out well. It's about what am I going to do in these situations when I need to be like Christ? What kind of employee would Jesus be if he was in my cubicle? What kind of driver would Jesus be? If, no, don't, don't do that one. Um, I can't do the driver one. I'm working on it. It's, I'm jars of clay. I'm trying my best, okay? Now watch this. This is such an incredible statement that just drives it home. If you still think, well, I, I still think it is kind of a, about me. I still, you know, what does that mean? Does it mean I stopped trying? Does it mean I got, no, no it, it's fine. If you just would adopt this as your life, life verse. <laughs> Get it in Hebrew, a tattoo on your arm. Uh, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Wow. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. In other words, when we suffer loss, we act the same way Jesus did when he suffered loss. See, Jesus had to die every day to himself. He was sinless. So when it was convenient for him to tell a story that was kind of a little bit half-truth and it, he didn't want to like, you know, he wanted to embellish it, he stopped. He died to that. When he got to a place where uh, maybe there was something he, he coveted, he wanted, you know, there was some lust of the eyes or the flesh or whatever, he stopped. He died to that. He died to whatever his hopes and dreams are. His statement was this, whatever I hear the Father say, I say, and whatever I see the Father do, I do. That's my life. My life is not my own. He said it this way too, I did not come to be served but to serve. What if your perspective, what if the only thing that is new for you this week as we talk about what's new is your perspective. 
That's the only thing that needs to change. That you have an object. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your singleness. Maybe it's your education. There's an object. And you've been looking at it a certain way the whole time. But just by shifting your perspective to go, okay, Lord, I have this thing. I have this situation. I just broke up with this person or I just got into this relationship or whatever. What would you have me do with this? We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. And so you think about that. And you think, well, man, that's kind of brutal, like the death of Jesus. Like, I'm, am I going around and dying all the time? And, and you know, so much of, of Christianity is, is like, doesn't it sometimes feel like it's, it's like it ruins all the fun? <laughs> like the Bible ruins, like there's a bunch of stuff you want to do, and then you read the Bible or you pray or whatever, and you're like, oh, man. And you think Jesus is just a killjoy. I, I want to have fun, and I can't. I got to be like Jesus. This next verse should convince you otherwise. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So that Christ's life might be manifest. And you think, well, gee, what, what, what is that? Do you know that Jesus never worried about anything? Imagine, imagine if that's the only thing that changes in your life from here on out. You don't worry about anything. Wouldn't that be worth it <laughs> to be like Christ? Hebrews says this about Jesus, that he's anointed with the oil of joy. So we have these pictures of Jesus. He goes around. Somehow he's got blonde hair and blue eyes, and he's just in a robe, and he's just kind of like solemn, and he, he you know, talks real soft, and he's super serious. He was anointed with the oil of joy. He says, he says remain in me and I in you, that, that my joy may be in you, that you might have life. And then he says this, and to the fullest. See, as we change our thinking and go, you know what? I'm going to do it God's way. Even though for a short amount of time, it might be a death. It might be difficult. What you get on the other side of that is life. I'll give you a, uh, I've told this story before, um, but one of the things that is important to Lisa and I that has been uh, most of our lives is we believe that to tithe, which just is a fancy word, is tenth, to, to give 10% of your income to God, we believe that's life-giving. I know what it sounds like when a pastor sits up here, uh, you know, it's, it sounds like, like I need a toupee and teeth whitening and like I'm like, just give all your money to God and he'll bless you and it'll be great. Uh, it, it's, I'm telling you what I've practiced. And so one, uh, we got married early and we bought our house early and we bought it at the perfect time. It was uh, as interest rates were rising and housing prices were plummeting. And then we did the really smart thing and got into an adjustable rate mortgage. So every six months, our house declined in value, but we were paying more. See? Buy high, sell low. Okay? <laughs> so it's like two ships passing in the night. So needless to say, I wasn't very happy. And my income, while interest rates were rising, home prices were declining, my income was like uh, flatlining. Okay? So that's not a recipe for uh, great wealth 
uh, accumulation, okay? So we get to a place uh, in, in the month where uh, I have to either write a tithe check to the church or write my mortgage check. And so I'm going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I already know, I already knew that Jesus was saying to me, I'd write the tithe check and I'd worry about the house. The house is a house. It doesn't matter. A kingdom business is, is more important. So I hear that. I'm like, but I had to ask Lisa because I thought maybe he told her something different. <laughs> like maybe she's like, no, no, let's, let's. And my plan, I had a really good plan. I was going to. I was going to like IOU the kingdom. Like I was going to like, you know, it was like 400 bucks. Like, okay, I owe him 400 bucks. So like I, when things turn around, I'm going to start chipping away at my kingdom debt, you know. And, uh, and so uh, I go to Lisa and she's like, yeah, we, we need to write the tithe check. Long story short, everything turned out fine. But that isn't the point of the story. The point of the story isn't when you obey, it's going to turn out fine. That's not the point. The point is there was a release. My anxiety left. Uh, we, ha we had a, a peaceful home. I wasn't fighting and scratching and trying to make everything work. We were willing to lose the house. Because we felt like God was pointing us in a different direction. What God did in that moment was give me life even though it might have cost us something else. Does that make sense? And, and please understand me. I'm not bragging. I, there, I can give you 50 billion examples of when I did the wrong thing. I'm just telling you that for the one time I did the right thing, it ended up in life, okay? That's what I'm saying. He goes on. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. And then he says it again. So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. This is what we're looking for. That these difficult decisions, if we just change our perspective, maybe there's something you know you're not supposed to do. You know you're not. And Jesus says, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Not because he's there going, I don't want you to have any fun. Because he goes, you're going to miss out on life. I know it feels like a death now. But it's worth it in the long run. Life is worth it. He continues. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work with you. Now he's going back to talking about his relationship with this church. He says, all this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Isn't that incredible? Just changing that perspective, changing the way we look at sin. I, I was reading a book uh, this week, and it, they had a great line in there, and it said, mature Christians don't, don't think they're missing anything by not sinning. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but mature Christians, when they don't sin, they don't think they're missing out. Because they, they, they understand that God's life is flowing through them. That they can walk in obedience. That they can make decisions that might be painful in the beginning, but bring life later on. That's what disciples do. They follow Jesus. They follow in his footsteps. All for the glory of God. And then he, he has this great line here. 
Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're all wasting away, okay? The death rate is still 100%, and uh, father time is undefeated, okay? Except for Tom Brady, that he could actually go uh, a little far, farther along. Um, outwardly, we are wasting away. In other words, what he's saying is, don't worry about the outward stuff. Don't worry about what you're looking at, what you're seeing, the thing right in front of you. There, there's, a, there's another perception, a kingdom perception, that if you're, if you're worried about your body and just what's going to happen tomorrow and all those things, you are going to miss out on the things of the kingdom of God, as real as they are. So he says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. We're going to keep having these issues. And this is where we got the What's New series from, this very next verse. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. That there's something that happens on the inside that, that is more important than the things that are right there in front of us. Now, I, when I talk like this, um, I know that for some of you, you're going through real hardship. I know your stories. Real hardship. And I'm not saying to just close your eyes and go, la, 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 it's not happening. It is happening. But these become opportunities for us to move through our steps. Come and see. Is there something I need to be doing differently? Is there something I need to try? Should I try reading my Bible? Should I try praying? I don't even know how to pray. Here, here's, here's, let me, for those of you who don't know how to pray, you don't feel comfortable, this is the, this is my best definition of prayer. It's talking. So if you know how to talk, you know how to pray. You know, you have professional prayers, you know, like people like me who know how to insert really fancy words and all, all that kind of stuff. But I get paid to do this. I, kinda, I have a degree. Okay, so now here's a prayer. Dear God, I don't even know if you're real. Amen. Just try it. That's a come and see moment. Okay. Come and follow would be one where you've, you've moved down the line a little bit. And you're like, Lord, I, I want to trust you in these different areas, but it's hard for me. Help me. That's just a prayer. It's, it's nothing. It's just talking like you would if, if he were sitting across the table from you. I'm confused. I read this in the Bible, and I don't know what it means. Can you help me find someone that understands what that means? And so we, we, we talk about every week we're going to have these come and see, come and follow, come and die. And so this week, if you look at your sheet, um, the come and see is just to read the book of First John. And you can find it online. You can find it on your you know, a Bible app. You can actually get a real Bible. They actually have those still. Uh, and, and, and you can look in the table of contents and you'll see one John. And you're like, why does it say one John? You know, it's like... Because the next one's two John, okay? It's second John. And so, and, and so there's only five chapters. So I even let you off the hook on the come and see. You don't even have to read every day. Just five days in the next week. One chapter. And you just take some notes down. What does that mean? What does this mean for me? I, I don't know. Or, wow, that's interesting. Is Jesus really that way? Huh. Fascinating. That's a come and see. Come and follow would be to take the risk of joining a small group. All the disciples were in a small group. 
Did you know that? The disciples. It was a small group. It was 12 people. And so on, you might take a come and follow risk, right? Adventuresome obedience. And on the back of your connection card, write small group and write the, the nights you can go. You know, and then we'll, we'll call you this week and get you hooked up. That's a come and follow uh, assignment or challenge. And then there's come and die. And that's where you're in your relationship with Jesus and you think, you know what? What's new? Nothing. I want to try something. And for seven days, just seven days, you cut something out that you would normally like or do or what have you. Now, the reason you do that is not to earn favor with God. It's not like God's like, oh, goody, they're giving something up for me. I'm going to give you a cookie or I'll make sure, you know, your leg doesn't break or anything like that. The reason you do it, it's called fasting. The reason you do it is because we get into these patterns and these habits. And so when you'd normally reach for a cup of coffee or whatever, now you go, oh, that's right. I'm giving that up for seven days. And you use that opportunity to go, Lord, is there anything in my life that needs to be addressed? Is this thing I'm giving up, and it could be anything, an idol? Do I use it to medicate? Do I use it to, to, uh, uh, to just keep trying to bring pleasure to myself? Like, what, what is it? And you give that up, and it gives you an opportunity to have your physical body remind you to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Because when you give something out that you've been doing for a long time, your body will be upset with you. Your mind and your, your body. Sometimes, depending on what it is, if it's coffee, um, you, you will become the devil yourself. That's what's happened. I don't, I don't think this week's going to be a coffee one for me, okay? Uh, but those are, those are your three things. Because inwardly, we want to be renewed day by day. And so maybe for you, your come and see moment, you read First John and you go, man, you know what? I'm going to pursue this more. I'm going to check this out. Watch what he says. This is fascinating. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Whatever you're going to give up for seven days, if you choose to do that, it'll be hard. No doubt. It's nothing compared to growing in Christ. It's nothing compared to having his life manifested in you. It's not, there's, there's just nothing like it. These momentary light afflictions, these momentary troubles are achieving for us. Now watch, watch what he says. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. That marriage that's difficult, that job that's difficult, a relationship that's, that's in tension and broken, your finances, your neighbor. We, we, don't, we don't fix our eyes. It's there. We don't pretend it's not there. We don't say, well, you know what? I'm just going to be a doormat. No, it's there. But we don't fix our eyes on that's not what we're looking at. We're coming from a different perspective, an eternal perspective. Jesus, what would you have me do in this moment, this difficult moment? Sometimes it's not even difficulty. Sometimes it's, it's success. I, I remember one time we had a small group and, uh, and uh, we, we were praying for this one couple and they're like, we need work, we need work. He was in construction. We need work. And every, every, he'd come to small group so faithfully, and every week we'd pray for him to get work. And, um, and then he did, and he stopped going to small group and church because <laughs> he was too busy, <laughs> right? It's like, 
hmm, I wonder how that worked. Anyway, but how you handle success. You know, how you handle, uh, does it all of a sudden, it's like, wow, I, I've achieved. I've, I've gotten this and gotten that. God wants to get that. We don't look at what is seen, what is unseen. Watch what he says. Since what is seen is temporary. I mean, think about it. We're temporary. <laughs> Did you know that? We're temporary. That house that you're trying to pay off, it's temporary. Someday someone else is going to own it. They're going to paint it a different color, okay? Someday your, your car is temporary. It's all temporary. If we focus on the temporary, look what we miss out on. What is unseen is eternal. I'll put these together so you can see it. Since what is temporary, uh, but what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. So here's the question I have for us this morning. When we ask ourselves, what's new? Wouldn't you rather experience life in the eternal than the temporary? I mean, we're not even designed to be living in the temporary. Well, wouldn't you rather be the person who can go through difficulty with the joy of the Lord? Go through life without anxiety? We do this by following, by being a disciple of Jesus, our Lord. 